Marketing has taken a backseat to recruiting and hiring for the last few years, but as it always does, that's going to change. Having an effective marketing message is going to be vital in the years ahead. So how do we create marketing that's compelling? Well, stay tuned to find out the key element that changed everything for me. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. Perhaps the greatest fallacy of business ownership in service industries is that someday we will attain the perfect balance of employees and work. We'll have just the right amount of work for the number of employees we have and vice versa. And we'll get everything just so. And henceforth, we will no longer struggle gaining qualified people or finding enough work to keep all those qualified people employed. But it's my belief that if you look at a service-based business over the course of, let's say, 10 or 15 years, you would likely see that approximately 45% of the time, the business is desperately in search of more employees. And approximately 45% of the time, the business is frantically looking for more customers and more work. The remaining 10% of the time occurs only as the company transitions from looking for more work to looking for more employees and vice versa. It's like a big pendulum. 45% of the time time we're on one side, 45% we're on the other side, and it's just that 10% in the middle as we pass through that we have equilibrium. So one of the things I hope to impart upon business owners in this whole series, this whole podcast, the purpose of it, one of the main things is to impart upon business owners is that in order to survive and thrive in both those modes, getting more customers and more work, and getting more employees, we must constantly be improving our answers to these two questions. What's in it for our customers or potential customers to buy from us? And what's in it for our employees or potential employees to work here? Why are these the two most important questions to answer? Well, first of all, 90% of the time, we're either going to be looking for more work or more employees. There won't be long periods of time where this isn't the case. There will be periods of time, but they will not be extended like they are the period we've just gone through for several years of looking desperately for more people. We'll always be chasing more work or more employees, almost always. But we get lulled into believing how it is now is how it's always going to be. Customer demand is just going to be like this from now on. Like we're just in this period of time where it's just going to go on like this forever. So if I just get the recruiting and hiring part down, I'll be all set. But that's not reality. Another reason we need to constantly be improving our answers to the questions, what's in it for our customers to buy from us and what's in it for our employees to work here is because people make decisions based upon what they want. They make decisions based upon how they perceive a thing to benefit them and their lives. When we're selling, whether it's our service or our employment, we are successful when we show them how we benefit them more than brand X. And we are not successful when we present the sale as a take it or leave it proposition or when we're focused on our needs. Here's how we do things, take it or leave it. However, there are times where we're able to get away with this take it or leave it approach, where we are focused on our needs more than the customer or the employee. 
Over the last couple of years, service providers have very much been able to present their their sale the sale of their services in that manner. I told you a few months ago about a contractor group I'm a, I'm a part of on social media where there was literally conversations where these contractors were like, you know, in the old days, we used to have to do these breakdowns and they were real pain in our butt and we hated doing it. Customer asked me for a breakdown and I said, it's $15,000 if you do it and $0 if you don't. There's your breakdown. Well, that's not going to be reality forever. It's this way now because there's been far more demand for service-related work than there have been providers who can fill the need. So if a customer says no to that, 15 grand, take or leave it, there's 10 more ready to say yes. So customers had to accept the terms that we offered or hope to find someone who would do what they wanted, which was not always an option here, especially recently. If you tried to hire anybody in any kind of service industry recently, you know that just getting people to show up sometimes is a challenge. So companies have been successful, or the ones that have been successful at hiring recently are the ones who are selling a better employment opportunity than others. And to see how people are, are meant, uh, uh, um, modifying their employment, I've even seen companies who are in traditionally 24-7 type emergency response businesses get rid of, get rid of weekend work or at least Sunday work or get rid of on-call shifts. All those things that are ugly things that employees don't want to do, they, they have done at the expense of the customer experience to gain more employees. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just noting that we will cater to either the client or the employee, depending on where we're at in this economic cycle. In 2010, you could tell job applicants very frankly, here's what we offer, take it or leave it. And if the prospective employee said no, there was 10 more who would say yes. And the prospective employee had to accept those terms or hope to find an employer who was offering what they wanted. And that was not always an option. For the last few years, most business owners have been focused much more on recruiting, hiring, training, and retaining qualified people. By the next couple of years, as the economic shift uh, cycle shifts, as it always does, it will be much more difficult and imperative to attract customers and more work. And we'll have to shift our focus from what's in it for the employees to work here to what's in it for the customers to buy from us. So as competition for customers and work gets more intense, the way to gain an edge is to have a more compelling message. So if providers in your industry, for instance, talk about things like, and I'm just going to pick a random example here, but every industry has their handful of things that are just constantly talked about. These are the things all providers in this industry talk about. Let's just take one. If you're in a home service uh, industry of some sort, you probably have competition in your industry who always talks about value, quality, pricing, and some kind of guarantee. Those are probably the f- some kind of version of those four things is almost universally in home services um, the talking points. When you see ads on billboards, when you see TV commercials, you hear radio commercials, you see mailers, Valpac, whatever. It generally talks about value, quality, pricing, and guarantees. So even if you know in your heart, you know that you provide the best service in the area and you know, let's just say in in, in an exaggerated example, every one of your your competitor uh, competitors is a complete fraud. Like you hands down provide way better service, way better workmanship, whatever than all of them. If you're all saying the same thing, you're all saying you provide the best service based on value, quality, pricing, and guarantees like it or not. You look exactly the same to the prospective client. They don't know what they don't know. 
what they know is what they do know. And if you're all four, let's say you're, you're in a small town, there's only four people who do your service. And all four of you say, we have the best value, the best quality, the best pricing, the best guarantees. If they don't know, they don't know. It, it, they all four look the same to the client or prospective client. So to have effective marketing, we must have a more compelling message than what everybody else in our industry is saying. You can't say more of the same things and just be more adamant about it. You can't say the same things and just have stronger conviction, which is what many try to do. Yeah, well, they say they have great quality. We have the best quality. Well, they say they have best quality. We have the, the double dog best quality. <laughs> it's just kind of this amping up of language that doesn't really move the needle for the for their prospective clients. They all look the same. Everybody's saying the same thing in a slightly different version of language, but essentially the message is all the same. So to overcome that, we have to be compelling. We have to get our marketing message right, which means we have to be talking at a deeper level about specific things to your ideal clients. They know you are talking to them. And of course, we have to get the modality dialed in meaning like the service, uh, the delivery system, the frequency, the spend, uh, all that kind of stuff, all the mechanics of it. Now, I can tell you that I struggled with this for a long time. Marketing, without a doubt, was where I made the most costly errors that of anything I was involved in. The amount of money wasted on marketing stuff for me is like, it's obscene. Tremendous amounts of money were thrown away on marketing campaigns. Like, I, again, it just... I, I get speechless even thinking about it. It was a ton of cash just um, thrown away in these marketing campaigns. Tons of cash set on fire by changing DPA, DBAs and names and slogans and taglines. Each one which meant rewrapping the entire fleet of vehicles, a whole new website, a new business. I mean, just everything, new business cards, new flyers. Like, I, I want to say probably we might have had eight different websites. Every time we change a DBA, every time we change a marketing campaign, we got a new website. And I, that's probably 40 grand by itself. It's frustrating and embarrassing even all these years later. And it all changed when we figured out one thing. Who the client we wanted more of. Who was the client we wanted more of. Once we got clear on that, everything else started falling into place. Now, does that mean we didn't make more mistakes? Of course not. But the mistakes we made were minor. They were not these massive cataclysmic blunders that had severe financial costs. They were just a different scale of mistake. Again, we still had to learn things. We had a lot of learning to do still. But we went from making catastrophic blunders in marketing to making relatively insignificant mistakes. So why did figuring out which clients we wanted more of solve our marketing woes? Well, in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. You cannot have a compelling message that will resonate with both a 65-year-old retired woman who's living in her fourth home that she's owned in her lifetime, who lives in the suburbs. You can't have a compelling message that resonates with her and a compelling, the same compelling message that will resonate with a 32-year-old man living in the city in his first home, working a full-time job, and a side hustle with two young children. They have different priorities. They have different drivers. They have different needs. They have different decision-making criteria. I don't think you could create a marketing message that would resonate with me and my siblings even. Or on many things, not even me and my wife. Definitely not with me and my nieces and nephews. We just have different priorities. We have different drivers. We have different criteria. So when we try to do that, though, we talk less specifically and more broadly, and we land on things like value, quality, fair pricing, and great guarantees. 
but those are not compelling. They don't speak to either the 65-year-old retired woman who's in her fourth home living in the suburbs, and they don't speak to the 32-year-old man living in the city in his first home with a side hustle and two young children. They expect those things to be true. They expect to have great value and quality and pricing and great guarantees. But this is completely counterintuitive. We naturally think we need to speak more broadly and speak in terms that everyone can appreciate. And to further confuse us, it works. Right now it's working because there's tons of demand. That does not mean it's going to work when there's not as much demand. And if your message isn't talking to someone with components in that message that are very compelling to the person you want to talk to, it will not resonate with anyone. There's a saying in marketing, if you aren't talking to someone, you aren't talking to anyone because none of the message will be compelling to anyone when you're talking so generically and so broadly, nobody feels you're talking to them. They feel like you're talking to everyone. If you're talking to everyone, why should I pay attention? If you're talking to me, I better pay attention. If you're talking to everyone, why, do I, why should I care? One thing that is universally wanted by business owners is for the customer to value and appreciate the service the company provides. The way to do that is to provide what they want. I can tell you 100%, once I stopped asking, why don't potential clients value what we're doing? I knew we had a better product. I knew we had better pricing. I knew we were offering things that, in my mind, were industry-changing. In some cases, they kind of were. Like we, we were doing things that were unheard of in our industry, and nobody cared. And I kept asking, why doesn't anybody care about this? Why don't they value what we're doing? Once I stopped asking, why don't they value what we're doing? And I started asking, how can I show them at every step how we value them? It became clear that showing value, quote unquote, showing value means different things to different people. And to show value in a compelling way meant we had to be speaking to and providing an experience and showing value for our client. Not everyone who might ever need the service we provide. That was a critical distinction for us. Once we began showing value and speaking and providing a service and experience to our client, not everyone who might ever need the service we provide, our lives change. We began speaking to our client. We included just naturally, we included little nuances and little specific things which told them we were talking to them. In our marketing, we talked about things that only they would appreciate. And that showed them that we got them, we understood them. And then they would trust that we were providing experience just for them. Now, does that mean it, this message did not resonate with others? Of course not. Of course, there are certain things that you could have a, a very specific person in mind you're talking to that somebody else outside that target audience might hear and go, hey, I think that's pretty cool too. So of course, there's going to be some of that. But we can't have that with these broad, vague, nebulous, general terms like value, quality, pricing, and guarantees. Also, does it mean we turn people away who were not our ideal client? Of course not. We were happy to, to cash checks from whoever to write us, write us one at, at, at certain times in our, in, our, in our journey. So it doesn't mean we exclude people, and it doesn't mean other people won't appreciate what we're saying. What it does mean is we're more specific, which is more compelling, because the more specific we are, the more people think we get them, and they, we understand them, and they should pay attention. The other thing I'll tell you is it, we went from struggling, like really struggling to, to grow. And we were growing at an okay pace. 
But we once we figured this out, our growth was off the charts for the next nine years. And it happened literally overnight after a number of name changes and vehicle wrap changes and website. I just, it, it's crazy how much stuff we went through struggling with this until we figured it out. And once we figured it out, it literally changed everything for us overnight. So how do you do this? Well, it's not as hard as you would think. Just picture that dream client that you want more of. The one you get along with the best. The one who loves how you operate. The one who, who there's no argument. Uh, there, it's just things just work well. What you do just happens to work well for them. Well, just pay attention to who that person is. Or picture the client who's giving you the most referrals. If they're giving referrals, they obviously value what you're doing and how you go about doing it. And then start just creating your avatar with as many descriptors as you can. Now, the point of the exercise here is to define a small group of people who you want to serve. The goal of the exercise is not to figure out what kinds of descriptors apply broadly to the entire population. You might as well not even do that if that's going to be the approach. This, this exercise is to figure out what small percentage of the population we want to serve. So we start out with just as many descriptors as you can. If you can come up with, you know, 15 to 20, that's that's fantastic. And you'll continue to enhance this avatar over time. Within just a few months, you can really develop an avatar that makes sense. I'd even suggest giving your avatar a name so it becomes real. And especially this will help you with training your team. When you talk about training and you talk about Mary, our avatar is in this situation. How would we handle that? Here's Mary's background. Here's who Mary is. Here's how Mary makes decisions. All that training stuff gets way easier, but that's kind of a sidebar. Back to our marketing. As we're developing our marketing, whether it's with a marketing company or on our own, and again, with marketing companies specifically, they're going to default to this value, pricing, quality, and guarantees thing because they're working with 30 companies. That's the easiest, that's the lightest lifting for them is just to have this generic message that everybody uses. And you're just paying for how many uh, ad batch you get. You're paying for how many times client, potential clients see the message. They don't care if the message resonates. They care about how many times it gets seen so they can charge you, right? So especially if you're working with them, but even if you're doing this on your own, at every step of the, of the marketing campaign development, we got to stop and ask questions like, does this apply to Mary? Would this make sense to Mary? Is this compelling to Mary? Why would Mary care about this? So especially if you're working with a marketing campaign and they, and they send you this stuff like, hey, here's a great message we think. Okay, does this apply to Mary? Does this make sense to Mary? Why would Mary care about this? Why would this be compelling to Mary? How does this suit her needs? How does this make her life better? How does this make her life easier? How is this about her? So signs that we're on the wrong track are generic descriptors. So one of the things that, um, and this is probably going to um, irritate many of you listening, sorry, one of the things that tells you you're on the wrong track is when people ask you who your ideal client is and you start off with anyone who or anyone with. Well, anyone who has a home is a, is a great client for an HVAC company. Mm, no. Anyone with a car. Well, hey, anyone with a car is a great, great customer for an auto repair shop. No, no. Anyone with carpet. That's a great referral for a carpet cleaning company. No, that's absolutely not true. So if people ask you who your client is and you start off with anyone with or anyone who, I can tell you right now, you're on the wrong track. You got to get more specific than that. Other signs you're on the wrong track, if you have the same target audience as all of your competitors. Now, and the number one example of this is everyone wants high-income households. Okay, well, if you're only talking to high-income households, that's not a very specific group. 
there's tons of people there who make decisions in very different ways. So we got to get more clear on who it is besides those very uh, generic, very unspecific kinds of descriptors if we want to have a, a, a message that resonates. So uh, real quick, I'm really excited to announce I've just finished developing three new mini courses. Each one of these focuses on one primary subject, either people, processes, or profitability. So if you're tired or struggling to get through with your employees, or you know you need to get processes and procedures started or dialed in, or you want to understand your financials much better than you do today, go to serviceindustrysuccess.com and schedule a no-stress call to see if one of these courses are right for you. Each one is priced at less than $500 and includes several video modules you can watch as many times as you want. And also, each one includes two Zoom calls with me. So schedule your no-stress call today at serviceindustrysuccess.com. These are a great deal. They're a great way to see if you like my style of, of working with you. And it's, I mean, less than 500 bucks. It's like a no-brainer as far as cost goes. So uh, serviceindustrysuccess.com is where you go to schedule a no-stress call today. Again, I'm not a high-pressure sales guy. It's either a fit for you or it's not. Um, but I think these are great products if you have challenges with either people, processes, or profitability. So one of the things that is the first thing we have to do here is stop allowing ourselves to think that just because there's tons of buyers right now means there's going to be tons of buyers in a year or two. Historically speaking, that is just not accurate. And there's nothing to indicate today, especially today. I mean, here it is November of 2022. There is nothing that around us economically that, that indicates that we're going to just take off and things are going to be great for another 10 years. History is against us and the economic indicators we're looking at right now are very much against us. So we have to also recognize that developing a compelling marketing message takes time. We can do it really quickly when we talk about value, quality, pricing, and guarantees. That we can do like overnight. Like we can literally flip a switch and turn that on. But developing a real compelling message will not happen overnight. It could take months. And if you wait until you have the need for more work to get started crafting this message, you will be way behind. We need to get started now because we, we, we need to be ready when, the, when we have the need. We need to have this message ready to go to turn on when we have the need. And it might take, you know, might take three to six months. I don't know how long it'll take. It'll take it'll, depends on where your situation is, but it'll take you a while. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. And we got to get started so we're ready when we need it. So we got to constantly be improving our answers to these two questions. This is the journey. This is the business ownership journey in service industries. We're constantly going between over long periods of time, what's in it for our customers or potential customers to buy from us. And then for another period of years, what's in it for our employees or potential employees to work here. 90% of the time, we're in one of those two camps. The only time we're not in one of those two camps is the 10% of the time we're, we're switching from one to the other through kind of like a pendulum process. There just will not be long periods of time where this isn't the case. We're almost always chasing more work or chasing more employees. But we get lulled into this belief that how it is now is how it's always going to be. So we, you know, we've had several years now where customer demand is at a, like an all-time high. Well, if we just get the recruiting and hiring part down, everything's going to be all set. I'll be, I'll be fine. That's not reality. We have to remember that people make decisions based upon what they want, how they perceive a thing to benefit them and their lives. Over the last couple of years, we've seen that service providers have very much been able to present their sales of their services in a take-it-or-leave-it manner because there's been far much more demand for service-related work than there has been providers who can fill the need. So if a customer says no, there's 10 others ready to say yes. It's no big deal. But in the next couple of years, as the economic cycle shifts, as it always does, 
it will be much more difficult and imperative to attract customers. We'll have to shift our focus from what's in, our, for our, what's in it for our employees to work here to what's in it for customers to buy from us. So as competition for customers and work gets more intense, the way to gain an edge is to have a more compelling message. And again, if your industry is talking about value, quality, pricing, and guarantees, which many do, many of the messages fall into one of those four kind of categories. Even if you know you provide a better service than everyone else, even if you know half your competitors are complete fraud, like it or not, if you're all four saying the same, or if you're all saying the same four things to the client, you look exactly the same. To have effective marketing, we much have we must have a much more compelling message than what everyone else in the industry is saying. And you can't do that just by saying things, the same four things more strongly or more adamantly, which again is what many folks try to do. Well, no, yeah, they, we had the best value, not them. Well, everybody's saying that, so it all looks the same. We have to be compelling, which means we have to be talking at a deeper level in those kind of four things. We talk about specific things to our clients. They know we mean we're talking to them. We get them. And again, I struggled with this for a long time. Without a doubt, the most costly errors mistake, mistakes I made was in marketing. And it all changed. We figured this one thing out. Who was the client we wanted more of? And from that moment on, literally that day on, I remember the day very specifically. From that moment on, everything started falling in place. And in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. But it's counterintuitive as we, as we until you've experienced this, it's counterintuitive. We naturally think we got to speak more broadly. We got to talk in terms that everyone can appreciate. Then everyone's going to want to call us. But it doesn't work that way. And to further confuse us, it works now kind of, sort of, because there's tons of demand. So we get, we get kind of doped into believing that, well, our marketing is okay. It's not the marketing is okay. It's just that there's tons of demand right now. When the demand goes away, the marketing is still going to suck and we're going to be in trouble. So that doesn't mean we're going to, um, it just doesn't mean it's going to work when there's not as much demand. If our message is not talking to someone with components that are very compelling to that person we're talking to, it will not resonate with anyone. Uh, one thing that is universally wanted by business owners is for the customer to value and appreciate the service the company provides. And the way to do that is to provide what they want. And I'm telling you from personal experience, once I stopped asking, why don't they value what we're doing? Why don't they get it? And I started asking, how can I show them at every step how we value them? It all changed. And it became super clear that showing value means different things to different people. And to show value in a compelling way meant we had to be speaking to and providing an experience for our client, not just anyone who might ever need the service we provide. When we began speaking to our client, we included things, little nuances, little, little details, which told them we were talking to them. They, they, they started to understand that we got them. They believed that we understood them. And that's when it all changed. They, they knew we were providing experience for them. So how do we do this? Again, just picture the dream client you want more of. Who, who do you get along with the best? Who loves how you operate? Who gives you the most referrals? Who likes how you, again, just how you do things? They must, if they're giving you referrals, that's a great place to start because they must value how you do things. So start there. Who is this person? Who's the, who are the top three people that gave you the most referrals last year? What do they all have in common? Write down those 20 things that they all have in common as fast as you can. Don't think about it, just write. And then start creating your avatar with as many descriptors as you can. The point of the exercise, again, is to define a small group of people, not figure out which kinds of descriptors apply broadly to the whole population. That's it. That's, we might as well not even do it then. And we just continue to enhance this avatar over time. As you, as you, as you get familiar with this, 
avatar, this person, things will just come to you. Be driving down the road, and you're like, oh, wait, this applies to Mary also. And again, I, as I just did, I would suggest naming your avatar so it becomes real. It really helps with training your team also. Um, and as you develop your marketing, again, whether it's with a company or on your own, at every step, ask questions like, does this apply to Mary? Would this make sense to Mary? Does this tell Mary we're talking to her? Why would Mary care about this? What about this message is compelling? What would make Mary act now versus waiting until next Thursday? These are the kinds of questions we want to be asking to make sure our marketing message is dialed in. Signs were on the wrong track. Again, if I ask you who your ideal client is and you say anyone who or anyone with, we're on the wrong track. And if I ask you who your ideal client is and you say, and, and one of the things is I want high income households or other things that all your competitors are going to say they want also, we're completely on the wrong track. So um, I hope you guys are, um, uh, I hope this makes sense. I hope you don't have to go through the same pain I did uh, and, and don't have to waste the same kind of money I did for sure. Uh, don't forget, my, forget about my new mini courses. Each one is priced at less than 500 bucks. They include several video modules you can watch as many times as you want. And each package also includes two Zoom calls with me. So schedule your no stress call at Service Industry Success today. Or sorry, serviceindustrysuccess.com today. Also, um, I ask you all the time to share this podcast with a friend or colleague. What I haven't asked you to do is subscribe. Like, click that subscribe button so you get all these episodes. It's free. You get it every Tuesday. Uh, that way, you don't have to search for it or, or look for it on Facebook. Just subscribe, and it'll pop right up on your on your phone. Uh, but also, while you're doing that, share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. We want to help as many folks as we can. And if you have time, sure appreciate it to give us a rating review. That's how you grow these things. That's how you let Apple and Spotify and all those folks know that this is uh, a worthwhile podcast to listen to. So uh, thanks for tuning in uh, this week. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.